Welcome to another episode of Smart Homes, Stupid People. My name is Martin Siege. And, and I'm Eris Filmuth. I'm going to fix right. a couple little things in the background <laughs> with the stream real quick. As uh, always. Um, yeah. Yeah. So today's topic is born after 1984. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the differences in the generations and specifically also our generation. And uh, programming is <laughs> going to be a big yeah topic i think the the programming these generations kind of went under and that's because they're also showing differences um and i'm i don't know which kind of generation you are <laughs> maybe you can find yourself in you know within this well and you can ask yourself what is it that you learned in mm -hmm. school what is it what kind of books did you um, read in school what was the main topics in that were important in your education and i am I'm convinced, and I'm, I'm sure you too, that these topics are not chosen by chance, but there was a, um, yeah, a plan behind that, probably. Right. Now, uh, let's talk about ecosystems for a second. I'll come into the video when I'm ready in a sec, guys. <laughs> uh, talk about ecosystems. What does it mean when a force from outside the ecosystem really heavily affects an ecosystem? I mean, it, it means that <clears throat> everything inside, I guess, would have to adapt accordingly, right? Well, yeah, it depends on what kind of force that is. I think I talked about this in one of the other episodes about the resilience of an ecosystem, which means the amount of disturbance and stress it can absorb before it has to change. And there are different kind of, you know, systems. Some can absorb more. <laughs> you know, the, the there can be more stress factors like, uh, yeah, in, or influences from the outside before something has to change. And with others, it's it's more uh, um, more fragile. It, it, it doesn't need a lot right. for an ecosystem to, to change. But yeah, you can really transform that to um, a society or to a human being or to an individual, how much it takes for for the system to yeah to not being functioning anymore and to a point where it has to change in order to survive and to re-establish mm -hmm. itself. Yeah, well, let's talk about, uh, so here we are. I got everything up and running. So we are live on all the platforms we're supposed to be live on. Mm. Um, now, I'm born in 1984. You were in 1983? Yes. And I've noticed my whole life that there's a big difference between people born before... Um, and after January 1st, 1985. And I want to touch on that because I've never really heard this made a big deal of like in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. I, and, and you go online and you research what is Generation X and they often try to say that Generation X ended with 1980. And today I want to kind of disagree with that heavily because, mm -hmm. for a few couple good reasons, you know? Like, yeah, one of the reasons why it's often said that way is because in 1980... People born after 1980 were born, obviously, with more modern technology. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And contrasting, you know, there is a difference, right, between being born in the uh, 80s and being born in the 70s and 60s and so on. But Generation X, to me, is not just uh, about technology. Uh, there were there were a lot of, let's just call them social experiments and social changes. I think that 1980s was one of the most influential decades in history, right? Mm -hmm. When we really talk about the amount of stuff that happened and changed 
Um, the 1980s, I think, take the cake. You know, when we're talking about poverty and drugs and like really heavy changes in Western mm -hmm. world. Things like that didn't really exist on a mass level before that. Um, education, all this kind of stuff. And that's something I'm going to focus on today a little bit because uh, for me, I wasn't a good student. And so I, I, uh, I was held back a couple of years in high school. And where I come from and all over the world for the most part, this is something I'd like to talk about and ask you guys out there if you have any comments on this because um, I can't find a lot of information easily about this online, but I remember living through it. And this is, this is to me a big reason why I want to talk about it, just to kind of bring it back into context, that there was a different program mm. for people born after January 1st, or let's say December 31st, 1984. The program was fundamentally different in North America. Well, specifically where I was, we had 13 years of school and it was dropped down to 12. Mm -hmm. So my year, 84 and 85, graduated at the same time, right? And then what happened was, is that everybody born after 1984 in the area that I was raised in, um, it's not just that they had one less year. The conditions, um, it, it, you know, the prerequisites that were required to graduate were, were completely different on a fundamental mm -hmm. level. And in Europe, you guys went from, specifically here in Germany, going from the, um, what was at the time called the Diplom system mm -hmm. yeah. um, after high school. And uh, instead you you migrated to a, um, a more Western international yeah. standard, which was the bachelor and the master. And that happened also around the same time. So people born after 85 yeah. went into the bachelor and masters. I couldn't find an exact mm -hmm. because it wasn't ruled out all at once. And this is why to me, there's, it's, you know, there's a bit of a gap, like there are a couple of years are overlapping. Um, but I can definitely say that there's a huge difference right there. And when we're talking about smart home, stupid people, right? It, mm -hmm. When our environment becomes too accommodating for us, do we lose the ability to take care of ourselves? Well, what happens when our environment actually has an interest in programming us or testing something out with us? What does mm -hmm. that mean for us as, as, a, as, a, as sovereign beings or as organisms, right? We have to then take into consideration that the ideas that we have are quite potentially not ours. Yeah. yeah. Right? That, that the influence and the influx of information that's coming in from all around is one, very controlled. And today you see that with censorship, right? Mm -hmm. I just, uh, we had uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a cool talk about uh, the Good Club. Mm -hmm. And then we also talked about uh, Carrie Mullis, right? Yep. And yep, yep. Um, I put out a video called PCR Spirituality because Carrie Mullis <laughs> said that... Um, the discovery of the PCR test was for him a spiritual discovery, mm -hmm. and and that got that that got str uh, stricken from YouTube. So it I mean, it's because still, um, the the it, it, as it, long as you you the the more cycle you do, you will find everything and anything. Well, no, no, no. Well, the reason why it got banned from YouTube has nothing to do with anything really, other than the fact that we talked about the PCR test and Carrie Mullis and. Um, so uh, what happened was uh, it was a shadow band, uh, meaning that you. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking mm -hmm. why is it a spiritual? Oh well, the reason why we uh, he called it a spiritual discovery was, um, yeah, because he says that the PCR test is is it'll show you that everything is one. Yeah, he says he that if you that. yeah exactly. I mean that was <laughs> that was kind of like something the way that he he put it, but um, Carrie Mullis specifically said if you look if you amplify it enough, you'll find everything mm -hmm. in everything. Mm -hmm. And the idea of being able to use it for virology and so on and so forth is is uh, something that he always declared to be something that should not be done, mm -hmm. right? And, people, and he, he, he specifically said in many different contexts that uh, using the PCR test to 
um, this, to, to diagnose a disease is completely inaccurate. And yeah. people who do that don't understand virology. Carrie Mullis's words. Nevertheless, um, that, uh, that was censored. Mm-hmm. On, on YouTube, and it was shadow banned. So unfortunately, you can only find it if you go. Uh, we don't post our, our our videos to YouTube. What we do do is um, we take out snippets, put it on YouTube, and uh, in the snippet, you'll see advertisement to come over to Rockfin, mm-hmm. to come over to um, our, our other platforms, right? To Twitch and DLive and so on and so forth. So again, you know, when we're talking about programming, uh, we have to take into consideration that the information that's coming in at us is not necessarily um, organic, mm-hmm. and it's and it and it's not evolving. Let's say with the spirit of man, it's instead it's a program that yeah, that, yeah. that has been um, rolled out by committee or uh, think tanks and so on and so forth. And um, so, going back to the education, the way that it was ruled out in Europe was was also done by committee. And that committee was called, let's just go into it real quickly here, um, the Bologna process. We can talk about that in a minute. I think you might know more about that than I do. Not really. I just know that, you know, eventually Germany thought about how to make our the, the students um, more competitive with, you know, other countries. Because for us, the whole diploma system, and we also had a so-called uh, magister, mm-hmm. which was more for um, social sciences. Sounds like someone who was a magician. Kind of. Well, <laughs> I actually did both. I started with a magister where you have uh, either two main, major subjects or you have one major and two minor subjects. And so usually if you want to study philosophy or education, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, languages, that's how it was back then. And then you had the diploma, which was more for like physics and informatics right. and um, these kind of things. So I started what about with MDs? Them, well, that's medical. That, uh, sorry, medical goes under... That's Staatsexam. So, oh, okay. Um, so they don't... What, what are they... Do they have to go to Magister or Diplom? No, Staatsexam. Oh, so it's neither. It's something else. Yeah, it's something ah, else either. Okay. So it was very complex. But I think our education system was really good because it was very, very detailed. And for example, the diploma for me, it took me six years for mm-hmm. my bio- biology diploma. And you had a midterm, but if you failed, you know, there's nothing that you had at the end. There was no bachelor or something. Right. But it was built more, you had more time. What I, what, what I, what I experienced, I had more time studying. I could also visit other, other classes than biology. Mm-hmm. And then, but because of that, we were pretty old when we finished. <laughs> right. And from an international, comp, you know, competitive point of view, the Germans were well educated, but they were pretty old. Okay. So now they try to make, you know, like, f- f- um, yeah, they, they adopted the, the education system from England or I think, mm-hmm. I think master, master bachelor was something that was spread all over the English-speaking world, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So they adapted from from the other countries in order to make the German students more competitive. It's funny. I mean, this Oops, is the, the the theory, the reason why they say it, yeah. but I actually see it quite differently. I see a lot of schools that wanted to make more money. That could be one thing, but also we were pretty good on the on the international market because yeah, the, the German no education yeah. system was valued. Was yeah, because yeah. our education was really, really good. And yeah. I saw it myself when they switched over to bachelor and master. The whole universities, they were just like overwhelmed. You know, they had to put in a program, maybe double the size into something much smaller. Right. And so they cut down a lot of their practical stuff. And now they had to start calculating all these credits and the points and all that. Right, right, right. And it was a chaos. It was 
awful. <laughs> and from what I've understood, it took the joy out of learning for a lot of students. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. All they had, you know, was really just shoving in uh, the 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 material mm. in order to puke it out again for the exams, and then you get the credits all over the. Um, yeah. During your studies, but when I studied, we only had midterms and end last last term yes yeah, uh, exams. Yeah, sure. So in between, you only needed to pass, and no one ever looked at your credit points. You know, you just needed to pass. There was mm. no one cared about your marks. The only marks that were accounting at the end were the one in the, like the midterms and the one the final exams. Right. Where you had a lot of time to prepare for. You could even pick yourself the appointments for your exams. So mm -hmm. you could really take your time and prepare yourself proper for that. And from what I know now is that everything is just, you know, very scheduled and you have to you have to pass it within a certain time schedule. And you all the all the marks that you get during your studies are accounting into your end notes. Okay. So you are constantly under pressure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that you can see that with the students. Like I enjoyed my um, my education so much. I really loved going to university. You know, just really indulging myself into <laughs> biology and all that. But I didn't, and it was already stressful. You know, it was a, mm -hmm. a lot to learn. It was a lot of exams, but. I didn't feel that much pressure during my studies. You had the the terms where or the times where you had, you know, the exams and that was but it was just like yeah. a limited amount of time. And now the students are constantly under stress and I am I don't have any statistics but I'm sure that the 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 rate of depression and you know like um psychological issues of the students increased since then yeah, a lot. Yeah, I I I've seen it. I believe it. I know yeah. it, right? I at least from my experience I've definitely seen that. Um, I have in front of us here just a simple chart that I got from uh, Wikipedia. And this is the way that it's often presented, the generations, right? Mm -hmm. um, when we go from, in order, lost generation, greatest generation, silent generation, baby boomers, generation X, millennials, generation Z. Millennials are often also called generation Y, right? Um, and then um, generation alpha. And I remember when they were, when I first heard the term millennials, it was in the 90s and uh, someone was like, yeah, they're calling the new generation millennials. They're no longer Generation X. And it's funny because growing up, I always identified as Generation X, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was what was called the MTV generation. I'm sure it was very different in Europe. But the MTV generation, we were a generation of people who socialized around MTV, right? Mm -hmm. We put on music videos and uh, it was always going on in the background. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were a heavy culture uh, for live music, right? So we loved mm -hmm. live music, being in bands, um, watching music videos, and you know, yeah, obviously yeah. Uh, skateboarding and, and extreme sports went hand in hand with that. So it, that was a big mm -hmm. part of being Generation X for me. And a, another part was, I would say a big flavor of Generation X is not caring. Right, mm -hmm, like not mm -hmm. the, the what what was often called the not giving a shit attitude, you know, <laughs> dubbed by my mother also nicely, uh, <laughs> was was very true. You know, I, I didn't find a reason to want to do a lot of things, and and I and I look back at this now, and I always wonder were those really my ideas? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to say yeah, because you know, even through the decades as they as I progress with my life. I see a lot of Generation X people who quickly flip flop to the standards mm -hmm. of the next, mm -hmm. and I find that um, a lot of Character traits that I, I think that I developed in my teen and younger years, I I didn't I didn't give up. It's not that I, I it's not that I don't want to grow up. Mm -hmm. It's more that I find that I don't need to conform in order to age, 
right? Uh, or through my aging process that I don't need to conform to standards to survive. I've actually done very well being self-employed most of my life. Yeah. Um, I figured out my own things. I uh, didn't need higher education, didn't want it. And I think that a lot of people who go through the meat grinder of the uh, education system, they come out fundamentally changed mm. and fundamentally scared of taking risks. As you mentioned, you know, when you're when you're midterm and your and your um, um, final notes and all that stuff are always there, you know, to to actually leave the education system for a lot of people is a very very weird feeling. I remember mm. you it was like almost euphoric, being 35 years old, uh, mm. finishing up your PhD, and you're like, I, maybe I should go for another course or something. Like you, <laughs> it was very like difficult for you yeah. to just yeah, it was like an, it became an addiction. This yeah, idea yeah. of like, I, I, it can't be that I'm living without schooling. You know, I have to More, do something yeah. else. Everything I knew up up till then, right? And then I really enjoyed it. I mm -hmm. really enjoyed going to university. Uh, there was a lot of freedom for us back then. Yeah. Yep. It was really cool. So the big thing I'd like to talk about today is Generation X, as I mentioned before. Why it was called Generation X? Um, it turned out that there was a book that was written by, um, let's see if I could uh, bring it up. Da, 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 da. There we go. This is called uh, Generation X Tales of an Accelerated Culture. And supposedly um, this guy, Douglas Coupland, he was the first to have um, – coined the term Generation X. But you said born after 1984. Then is that the different generation? Or? This is what I'm talking about is that oh, okay. so when the generation actually starts and ends is is an open discussion. Okay. It's not like some universities will call Generation X until 1985. Some okay. will say 1980. Some will say 1981. And there are all these different um, classifications as to what mm -hmm. is generation X, Y, Z, and then before that, the millennials and so on and so forth. The um, big one is the baby boomers is pretty undeniable. It's mm. post-World War II. Specifically in North America, you know, where we didn't suffer uh, having to rebuild after the war, mm. it was a fertility boom. So, you know, my, my, my mother's one of 16 children, and I know a lot of people that have more than 10 kids uh, or have more than 10 siblings being born mm -hmm. between the years of 45 and 65, right? Uh, I, I would push it all the way up to like even 70. I would say the, the baby booming generation ended with the 60s. I wouldn't say that it ended with 65. Okay. So I push another five years onto that. And I would then say Generation X are people born in 1970 to 1985. Mm -hmm. That's uh, or to December 29th, 1984. And the big reason why I say this is because for, for me, as someone born in 1984, I get along with fundamentally on a very different and cultural level with people older than me. Mm -hmm. Always have. Mm -hmm. Always have. Too old and I find them to be, <laughs> you know, eh, like it's too much. And I, and I could definitely say that people born before, uh, before the 70s, I don't, you, it's not that I don't get along with them. It's that they, they, they're different. Just mm. flat out, they're they're just a bit different, right? Okay. Um, they they grew up through the Beatles and you know, well maybe whatever. But the point is, is you know they they, they were. I, it depends. Like I said, depending on where you are on the planet, you know, maybe up until sixty five. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think a couple friends of mine who are in their fifties. I get along with really well if they're born in mm -hmm. the sixties uh, or not. But. Um, yeah, like I, I definitely say that after 1985, the big difference I noticed in school was that when I fell back and had to take a couple courses um, for with people who were all born in 1985 and, and onwards, the biggest thing that changed was group participation. Mm-hmm. And attendance was like seventy percent mm -hmm. of the mark, mm -hmm. and, and and like and, and so what they tried to do was to lower the bar 
just the same thing with German education, right? They yep. lowered the standard and the bar to make it appeal uh, to big industry because the turnover will be greater, a product, mm-hmm. and the product would be educated people. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And uh, in 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 the in North America, I don't know if this happened all over the place. Like I've traveled to almost every major city in the U.S., and I can definitely say there is a feeling difference between people born after 1984, and the. The idea that, that that someone can actually just coast through life, participate, and be physically there is enough. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the flavor of the millennials. That's what changed. That's their culture. That's not mine. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I'll and I'll say that because I'm the type of person that I I would much I'm much much more comfortable on a contract basis. You know, give me the job. I get paid when the job is done, not because mm-hmm. I showed up on time and participated a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's bullshit. And so. To me, that is fundamentally the difference between Generation X and the Millennials. Generation X are a people who don't want to be a part of the big system. They don't give a fuck about it. Mm-hmm. They want to do their own thing. Millennials are very different. They are they 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 are more socialist in 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 um, uh, in concept. They feel the need to participate in a group to get anything done. They don't make decisions properly on their own. Mm-hmm. That to me is mm-hmm. the sign of a millennial. Right, the the fact that when they have a problem, they have to go to an authority to find the solution. Okay, yeah. That the, you know, yeah. obviously there's the technology, right? Like there's a big difference in social media between Generation X and the Millennials. Yeah, yeah. I never really had a cell phone until it was uh, um, one of the companies I worked in was given to me as a as a company phone. I never really bought one in my yeah, life. Yeah, no, you know? me neither. It's true. <laughs> it's the same thing. I mean, I, I, I've never had a Facebook account. I've never had yeah. an Instagram. I've never had a Twitter account. Like these things to me uh, are, are kind of a staple of Generation X as well, that mm. there are a lot of Generation X people who use social media, mm. but there are a lot more Generation X people who won't touch it in contrast to millennials, mm-hmm. I would say, from yeah. my experience, yeah. right? I could be wrong. Maybe it's just the, uh, the world that was presented to me and that I've seen so far, but... That's what I've seen up until now, mm-hmm. right? So interestingly enough, when you look at uh, Generation Z and Alpha, the idea of Generation Alpha, the fact that they're going back to Alpha is kind of like that idea of what they're calling today the modern great reset, that okay. the new generation uh, are going to be an alpha generation, as if like, uh, right? But it's funny, um, mm. It's you know, it almost kind of sounds like beta testing, you know, alpha beta. <laughs> like these, well, the, the program's not quite done, but it's soon there, mm-hmm. you know? So um, there we go with the Generation X. I'm going to zoom out for a sec here. The couple things that I wanted to talk about in the schooling system before we kind of move away from schooling is um, the books. The yeah, books that okay. uh, that I was presented to, and this kind of gives you the idea of the programming in the school, in the scholastic environment, right? And I think a lot of you guys out there will know these books, but I, I would almost doubt that if you're born after 1985 that this book was given to you by your teacher in school and said, read this. Mm. Every single one of these books was on that, was like that for people born before 1985, right? And, um, Many of these books, not only do they not have them in the scholastic environment as required literature anymore, but uh, many of them have actually been banned from schools all over the planet and, and counties and states and countries. So we're going to go through a little uh, a little list here. And this one's going to be kind of fun here. So let's go back into the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about, Flowers for Algernon, mm-hmm. also known as Charlie. Uh, I remember reading this in grade nine. And um, it's a book about a, a guy who's retarded who, um, you know, he thinks everybody's his friend. Mm. 
Mm. Right? He's, you know, <laughs> he goes into the kitchen and everybody plays with him and he's everyone's mm. friend. And then he, uh, they, they gave him drugs in order to become intelligent, right? Or smarter. And um, so then he went from being retarded to being a genius. Mm. And it shows the change of him getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And, and he would go into that same kitchen or whatever uh, place um, and uh, place of work or whatever uh, and, and, and meet the people who he thought were his friends. It turns out they were never his friends. They were always just making fun of him. Mm. They're always just shitty to him, right? And as he got smarter, he was able to fit in and, you know, meet women. But then he became too smart and he was ostracized again. He only wanted to become smart because he knew he was different. So the idea of being too stupid or too smart was <laughs> the contrast that this book was trying to show, was trying to show that as you get to a certain level, the world is alienating when you're mm. when you're not when you don't conform in the middle somewhere. And that's kind of like it's one of these weird things. In the end, he kills himself mm. uh, because life was was too shit. So he ended up going. Um, stupid to smart and smart back to stupid. And before he became stupid again, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he killed himself in the book um, because mm. he didn't want to go back to that. And um, he didn't want to be at the end of either spectrum. He just wanted to be normal. So that's an interesting book. Mm. Um, we're going to come back to this because I have a list of books that were banned. So we're going to go through this one. And many of these books were banned. The Catcher in the Rye, I know I read it. I don't remember it. <laughs> just, you know, I was I know probably German... smoking pot out in the street somewhere with my friends skipping school. I know I've read it. Don't remember it. Do you remember? Did you ever have to read this? No, I know the German title, uh, Roggenfinger, mm -hmm. I think. But I think I never read it. Yeah. Anyway, no. I'll skip that one. But mm. uh, that's uh, this is that book that I believe uh, someone, but I've heard of, someone I've heard uh, about it, it the, the a lot wanting of... to murder... Uh, phonies or some shit like back like well, I try to remember that it was like a, anyway um, this uh, this book uh, I think it uh, triggered someone to like uh, shoot someone or something I can't remember well I'll just you know rent it from the library next time then <laughs> yeah it's, I, I can't remember you can I, have a I look at it uh, Mice and Men this is actually a good book um, mm -hmm. that uh, I remember reading mm -hmm. this one is about um, a guy who tr who's with his br his brother once again his mm -hmm. brother is mentally handicapped and his brother possesses uh, what can only be dubbed as uh, retard strength. When he gets too excited, he tends to un unfortunately crush people to death. And um, yeah, so and in the so and he travels from place to place to place to try and create a, a stable environment for mm -hmm. his brother and him. And I think that the idea was is he, had, he ended up becoming the caregiver of or the caretaker of his brother because no one else in his family was around anymore. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he realized he couldn't live a normal life, and he took his brother out to a nice place in the forest and shot him in the back of the head. Oh. Right. So that book uh, was also, these are all, like I said, mm. these are all books that were required literature in my time, right? Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Um, I don't remember it. I think I read it too. Do you, do you know this book? Mm -mm. This was, uh, this is actually uh, supposedly a, a really good literature book, like as far as the way it's written. Okay. Um, don't remember it. So <laughs> onwards. Uh, the Chrysalids. I, I remember this one very well. This is a book where um, there was a, it starts off where you, the the main people, uh, the like it's like a tribe of people who, mm. um, they're very religious in nature, and when people are born with a deformity, they're considered to be you know cursed by the devil, mm. and then they're killed. <laughs> and so you have some people who were born with slight deformities, like a sixth toe or something, where they chop it off at birth to try and hide it, and oh. it turns out that. Um, this uh, this tribe of people they're actually in New Zealand and it's post it's a post um, nuclear apocalyptic world where most of the world has been decimated and there are only a couple groups of survivors left okay and uh, New Zealand being one of them 
and uh, they, they created their own religion for people born with, you know, radiation um, disformities and so on and so mm. forth. Uh, so it's a post-apocalyptic book, right? The Giver. It's another post-apocalyptic book. Now this is starting to you're going to start to see this pattern that most of the books um, are going to be either post-apocalyptic or they're going to be about someone who's a social outcast. Mm -hmm. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that was a social outcast book, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll have to look at that again. Uh, that uh, that um, the guy moved from California to New York. It's coming back to me. I'm pretty sure it's that one. And um, he was also uh, like an incel, like couldn't, uh, was it Catcher in the Rye or was it the other? Yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, all the books kind of like fit into this type of a category, right? Yeah, yeah. Post-apocalyptic, world is fucked, um, you're alone, you can't fit in well. That's what these books are all mm -hmm. about. And that's what Generation X, like, I mean, that was the program that we were getting, right? Um, that the world is shit. That was the big thing, you know, and and I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think the world is a fantastic place. I was able to see through that bullshit, and that's why I didn't go to school anymore. Hmm. Right. So the Giver, uh, this is also a post apocalyptic book where um, you have a society very similar to that movie. Um, can't remember the name right now. It'll come back to me. The, where the society they all have to take like an injection or a pill, uh, some type of drug every day to suppress their emotions. And because they discovered that the worst thing in humanity is human emotion itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, Equilibrium, I think, is the it's a Christian Bale movie. The, that that movie is pretty much this book. It's okay. almost one to one, and uh, it's kind of like this book in 1984 tied in together, right? Or uh, like a dy dystopian book, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a, again, it's a dystopian future in the sense that. It's uh, utopic in the way, the sense that society's functioning really well because they've decided to eliminate something in society that they believe to be the cause of issues yeah. and problems. And in this case, it was emotion. Okay. And so people had to um, uh, live out their life. And only one person in the entire society who was called the giver was the, the, was the receiver of knowledge and the holder of the past. And, there, and uh, once every generation, a new receiver would be born and he would receive the information from the giver of what the world was like before their society. Mm -hmm. And the idea was is that, you know, so that in context, he could always help guide the society properly because he's the only one who knows the truth. So that's the giver. Interesting book. I actually like that. Going now to the, the heart of this book, of, of this topic today is uh, George Orwell's, um, his real name is actually Eric Blair. So mm -hmm. AKA George Orwell, that was his pen name, 1984. I've heard a bunch of re like theories as to why this book is actually called 1984. Some people say it's because he knew that after 1984, um, the the world would be fundamentally different and that uh, it would be the last real generation of uh, humans, hmm. right? Everything after that is uh, is going to be in, in growing up in a in a system of of. Uh, totalitarianism, yeah. right? And, and other people say it's just because he started writing the book in 19... Or he started <laughs> writing... It was supposed to originally be finished in 1948 and they just flipped it. I don't buy into that one. I think it's more mm. the case that he he just um, had the... I don't want to say intuition because when we talk about um, Eric Blair and, um, you know, his, his teacher was, was actually Professor Aldous Huxley who mm. wrote Brave mm -hmm. New World, which mm -hmm. is also on this list. Um, Aldous Huxley... Uh, and 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 um, he kind of indoctrinated him into uh, all these different societies that they were a part in, and so he was a highly educated person. Mm -hmm. And I just think that these are people that perhaps saw behind the curtains, 
And so I think that this book, and same thing with Brave New World, it's not fiction in the sense. I mean, when you look around you today, you see these books are not really fiction anymore. Mm -hmm. They're a parody to what the world actually turned out to become, right? So I would actually say that 1984, uh, there are new t-shirts going around and, and, and hats with people saying, uh, you know, instead of make America great again, they're saying make 1984 fake again or make 1984 fiction again, right? Uh, because a lot of people mm -hmm. are saying we live in this in this world now. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's an interesting idea to me that uh, the, the idea of the big brother ruling class um, really stepped up the game in the mid 80s. Mm -hmm. And I would, I, I would agree with that actually. Mm -hmm. um, Lord of the Flies, did you ever read that? Also not a name. Yeah, I so this is a, this is a book. Fliegen, right? um, well, this is a book, I'll see if it jogs your memory, where yeah. a bunch of kids, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, plane crash or boat crash or something, they, they, they were on an mm -hmm. island. Uh, and they, it was just a bunch of kids who had to like grow up together. And they had no adults. And it's, it's about what happens to a society mm. when there are no adults around. And mm. how do they self-govern? And mm -hmm. eventually they end up killing each other and, uh, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting book. Again, kind of dystopic in the sense that there are no adults around. And these kids are just growing <laughs> up uh, like, like Peter Pan style, right? And eventually uh, it turns to uh, this. I think this book is kind of supposed to be a book symbolizing anarchy is bad. Right, mm. I I don't buy into that because I think that anarchy is just a state of of raw nature, and mm. I don't and I and look, it works everywhere actually. Right? Yeah, there's violence and death in nature. It's a part mm. of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Anarchy is just the absence of uh, of a governmental structure. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that it's always going to end up in horrors, right? I think that I'm seeing a lot more horrors uh, due to wars and and famines mm. and uh, control structures from governmental structures. So I I would argue I wouldn't consider myself to be an anarchist, but I would argue that anarchy is just nature. That's all it is. It's just the absence of government, and it's not necessary. So. Um, or big government in the way that we know, right? Mm -hmm. um, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, right? This is another dystopic book where uh, in the future, everybody is made to be extremely happy, right? So they all live in these completely mm -hmm. artificial environments. The idea of you're horny, you uh, dial someone up and you get a fuck buddy <laughs> for the night, right? Uh, whether it be man or female, the book the, the, the book's very open to that. It says, yeah, yeah. You, which way, you know, it doesn't matter. It goes all ways today. We just, you know, they start, the book talks about mm. uh, training kids with orgies and stuff like that and sexual depravities at a very young age. Mm. Um, desensitizing them um, in the sense that um, trying to make them hate nature, flowers, and anything that's that's real, all the food that they eat is uh, is, is chemistry. Mm -hmm. It's not even food anymore. It's uh, it's all packaged, and it, mm -hmm. none of it comes from the ground. They teach people that everything that comes from the ground is um, dirty and dirty yeah. and garbage. I mean, no, I'm going to go back a couple. I just realized I didn't even give the the, the synopsis for 1984. I'm just thinking, wasn't that the 1984? No, they're very no. similar. 1984 yeah. is um, like a, a world where. The, the world has been separated into three great states, mm. right? Um, I believe you had Oceania, Urania, and um, East Asia. And um, Urania, Oceania. I can't remember. Oh, wait a bit. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that uh, East Asia... Uh, Eurasia, Oceania. There we go. Those three super states. And so the one super state would be kind of like Russia and most of Asia. The other one would be the Americas. And the other one would be really most of Europe and um, and, and uh, Africa and stuff. And so what would happen is, is that you would 
have these constant battles in areas of con mm -hmm. of constant conflict, which you see are the same areas today mm -hmm. that are in constant conflict as well. And um, that <clears throat> everybody growing up under these systems are being told that, you know, by a very strict socialist government in uh, 1984 in um, uh, Oceania, the government is called Ingsoc for English Socialism. And it's funny because when they made the movie about this in the, in the book, um, they called everybody comrade. They say, hey, comrade, hey, comrade. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they called everybody brother. Mm. So they got, it's funny, it's like the movie really tried to downplay. They, they actually changed it from socialism in the movie to more fascism, where the book is, is really more about an extreme socialist state and, mm -hmm. and not fascism, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the interesting thing about 1984 is that I would say the biggest part of the book is when they have to cure um, the main character. Mm -hmm. And the way they do that is they don't let him die until his mind is there. So every so until you love Big Brother, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the big thing about the book is that you can try to run away from Big Brother as much as you can. He will always find you. He will always narrow like single you out. Mm -hmm. And eventually he's gonna come for you and rehabilitate you mm -hmm. when you're not ready. And he will not let you die until you've been rehabilitated because only then can you die with a clean mind. Mm. And so the whole book is about him fighting the rehabilitation and not wanting and be, you know, wanting to rebel against Big Brother. And in the very end of the movie, he's like, you know what? You know, if you just accept this place, Big Brother's pretty awesome. And then someone comes up behind him and shoots him in the back of the head. Mm. That's how that movie start, ends as well, or that book ends as well, yeah, is, yeah. is the idea of this constant like, um, dystopian death, you know, um, with Aldous Huxley, it's it's kind of the opposite in the sense that it's a very disturbing place that nothing is natural. Mm -hmm. And in the end, the main characters, they're not happy with their situation. And so um, what the government state does for them is they try as much as possible to uh, assist them in any way to make them happy at any cost. You know, do you, you, what do you want to do? You want to go to another place? We'll get you to another place. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the idea of like here in Germany, um, it's very socialist over here when it comes to um, welfare and education, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you don't have a job and you get, and you have um, um, unemployment insurance, right? They're going to try the entire time on unemployment insurance to put you into another job or to give you another mm -hmm. education to mm -hmm. get you into another job. And so, it, uh, and, if, and if you're sick, uh, if you're if you're working and you're sick, there are all these amazing programs. It's, it's crazy to, for me to see like how much opportunity mm -hmm. Germany really offers when it comes to wanting an education and, yep. and, and the work world. The problem is, is that Germany has zero tolerance for people that just aren't interested in any of it. <laughs> right, and it's very, very scary to say like if you just want to be a person who lives off the land on a cabin, you can't do that here. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be after you so quick. It, it just doesn't work that way. You have to work around the system and with it to achieve those types of uh, goals. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World is kind of like that as well, in the sense that everything you need is given to you, but at a cost, and that cost is your complete and uh, you know it's your freedom. Mm. There is no such thing as freedom, and they talk about like the idea of soma. I remember being a big thing in there. Oh, yeah. This drug that they always take to perk themselves up and make them happy whenever they have a bad thought. Just take your soma, right? And when they die in this book, it's not like in um, 1984 where they want they want to make sure your brain is nicely washed before they can leave you out to hang. In this book, uh, Brave New World, um, they pump you full of soma and drugs and make you die euphorically looking young and beautiful. Mm. So the idea of aging 
is, is like, it's not good. Nobody wants to age. So they use these drugs and these pills to keep them looking 25 forever. <laughs> and then when, when you finally hit that age where the pills and the drugs don't work for you, then you just get more pills and drugs to make you die like that in a happy state. <laughs> so there you go. Brave New World. Uh, Animal Farm, another one from uh, George mm -hmm. Orwell. Mm -hmm. That one's a pretty fucked up book, you know? And again, we're, I, I know I'm going through this whole book thing right now, but these are all books. In my time, every single one of these in high school was put on my desk and said, read this. Yeah, yeah. Every, except for a couple, like, what? often it would be like, you know, um, read this or that. This is why, like, for me, Catcher in the Rye, I know I read. Uh, like I said, I'm pretty positive now. That's the story about the Californian guy who goes out to New York City mm. and gets finds a hooker, and uh, he ends up becoming not not being able, he's not being he's not good with the women, and then eventually he's in a mental institution. Uh, and, the whole, <laughs> and the whole book is is written from the point of view of someone in a mental institution talking about the last couple of years of his life, and he's only like 16, right? Mm -hmm. So that 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 that's what that book was about. Anyway, every single one of these books is something that was on the table for me to read in high school. Animal Farm, it's about a farm of animals who start speaking mm -hmm. and, and becoming intelligent. And it's funny because it's a parody of, of reality in the sense that um, the pigs are the ones who uh, do all the politics, <laughs> right? The dogs are the ones who are like the police. And uh, the horses are, are kind of like the wise ones. And uh, mm. the chickens are kind of like... Uh, I don't know, like the, the the people who work in the factories. Like it, 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 they, they show all the different animals being different classes of people. And, uh, and and then there are a lot of things like they 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 did they built this society because they wanted to be separate from the humans mm -hmm. and they didn't want that control anymore. But eventually they became just as oppressive as the humans because of their new system that they were trying to create. Mm -hmm. You know, um, They ended up selling one of the horses uh, to the slaughterhouse, telling everybody that the horse was going to a better place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Animal Farm, fun book. Yeah. Lolita, I never read this. I know, uh, like I said before, um, typically in high school, there would be like, two, there would be so many students that we all go to different courses at the same time. And in some courses, uh, sometimes of the year, they put this book out and other times mm -hmm. they put out the other book. And the reason why they keep them in a, like in a, in a circuit is so that we don't talk to each other. Right, so if if English class one, uh, one is doing Lolita and English or grade nine is doing Lolita and grade ten is doing Charlotte's Web or whatnot, they don't talk to each other because they both were given the book. Then they know mm. they'd be able, anyway. The point is, is that that was what, the way they explained it to me when I was younger why it was in this circuit uh, to keep things fresh and to make sure that uh, the students in the school can't cheat easier by by mm -hmm. telling each other about the the literature. Charlotte's mm -hmm. Web is the next one that's coming up. I think it's the last one on the list. It is. Mm -hmm. um, so Lolita, I, it's it's. A book about a pedophile and some girl who's sexually promiscuous. Never read it. Um, also just heard about it. Yeah. Never read it. Don't know. Charlotte's Web, some pig. This is the story about uh, the pig baby. not uh, wanting to be slaughtered. And um, mm. uh, the spider comes to the rescue by writing its name into the web. And people thought it was a miracle, so they didn't slaughter the pig. Aww. There we go. That was, uh, <laughs> that was uh, you know, took a little longer than I anticipated to go through all that. But these were the books that were... Um, like I said, required reading. Mm -hmm. And now when we go back to, for example, here, um, this is a, a list of books that were banned. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to go through this real quick just to give you guys an idea that, you know, these books that were all this dystopic, make you feel really small and insecure and and um, feel like an outcast. Th that was the main theme of every single one of these books. Yeah. Right? And then on top of that, clearly we had Shakespeare's like, 
every one. I've heard that they don't do a lot of Macbeth and that kind of stuff anymore. It's mostly just uh, Romeo and Juliet, right? Shakespeare. Okay. Hamlet, or I think Hamlet is one they don't do in schools very often anymore, I've heard. Yeah. Because of the whole incest part. But, <laughs> uh, right? So Catcher in the Rye, not going to work here anymore. Uh, what else? Uh, Kill a Mockingbird. That's another one. I think that was on my list too. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Flies. 1984, Lolita of Mice and Men, um, Catch-22, Never Read, Brave New World, Animal mm -hmm. Farm. So these are all books that are banned um, from somewhere, right, in the mm -hmm. Western world. And I know for a fact that, at least where I came from, that these books aren't really in, re in, 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 in the regular cycle anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see if there's anything else. Um, on Wild, Native Sun. So these books I don't really know too much, but uh, For Whom the Bell is Told, there we go. Um Lord the, of the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I heard that that they uh, they didn't want that in the school anymore. It says here, but this is only like uh, burned in Alamogaro. I don't know what that is. Clockwork Orange. I also know that. Yeah, one. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Um, mm. So on and so forth. So let's keep going. As I mm. mentioned, when um, when I was held back, the the idea of not being able to just pass the exam because I remember when I was uh, in high school they would tell you make sure you pass this exam because it's worth like 50% of your final grade mm -hmm. uh, and I always found that to be very peculiar that we knew that we can just show up to the bare minimum amount of classes do the bare minimum amount of homework and get a good mark on the final exam and you'll pass with okay marks mm -hmm. right and that was the way that high school was like for me mm -hmm. and then being pulled into the new system where that didn't fly I was pissed I was so pissed. I ended up um, leaving school and finding what was called an alternative school. I think I've mentioned in the past to you mm -hmm, guys yeah. um, that uh, allowed me to do one hour per week per course. And I was able to get like 25 credits within a few years there because I, I, I was doing like six courses a year uh, or per semester and I was doing really well. Mm. Um, and it worked for me because I didn't, for me, the big thing I didn't like about high school was this constant idea of sit at your desk be on time, mm. go to the bathroom when I tell you it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, part, group participation where I always thought, just give me all the homework for the year. I'll do it. Mm. I'll write the exams. I'll show you that I can do it. And mm. if that was the case, you know, I would have, I would have flown through high school, mm. but it wasn't. I always found it like, why do we have to sit in school and read the books together? Why do we have to, <laughs> you know, uh, talk about this shit? Why? You know, yeah. like it just, it's, it was so not interesting for me. So yeah, that's actually what I liked also in university that most of my classes, the lectures, you could, yeah. you know, either you were there or you don't. There was no participation yeah. list. If you, if you didn't go to the lectures, yeah. you wouldn't get the knowledge offered up from the professor. Well, Finish. yeah, usually what I did um, when there was a great professor who had, you know, good teaching skills, then I went because it was exciting right. and I liked it. And also just to meet the other students. But there were a couple of classes where it just really, really sucked. And one and a half hour just sitting there and, and listening and just, you know, almost falls, uh, almost fell asleep. Yeah. So what I did then, I just I just bought the book and I worked through it myself. And when I had questions, I went to the professor or I asked right. another student. But I like to be able to, you know, just just decide for myself. Like, mm -hmm. when do I want to go? And we had a couple of classes that we had to go, like practical classes in the yeah. laboratory that were ma uh, mandatory that we had to do. But most of the time, I, I was free. You know, I could decide whether I want to go or not. And my, my education... Well, what, was, what was high school like? Was it the same thing? High school was very, you know, determined, like scheduled and you had to be there. Well, were you punished if you didn't show up? 
Yeah, I think yeah, so. See, yeah. this is something I've, I've yeah. known too. You guys have this whole, uh, um, like for us, it was mandatory to go to high school until 15. After that, you can choose. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think with you guys, it wasn't that way. I think the parents uh, are are responsible for the children over here until they're like 25. Uh, no, you could also, you know, there were different, we have different school systems. Mm-hmm. Like one school system is that you can, you know, just have a, like a lower um, exam. Abschluss? Yeah. Sure. Final mark or whatever. Final mark at the end where you can leave um, school when you're 16 in order to make like a to get an apprenticeship or something mm-hmm. and Th- then you have the higher would... education like uh, going to the um, it's not gymnasium because that's <laughs> oh, it's a t- high school yeah. high school yeah, yeah so it's high school well, where you have the A level at the end okay so for, for us we had um, preschool mm-hmm. after that we had um, primary school yeah then we had junior high school and senior high school now this is something that they started changing in many places so for me Primary school was uh, grade one to eight, mm. and then high school was nine to at my time thirteen. Mm-hmm. Nowadays it's to twelve, mm. right? And then preschool is you don't really need it; you don't have to do it. We're talking mm-hmm. kindergarten, which we called senior kindergarten and junior kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, every every state, every county, every province, uh, mm-hmm. every country they they have their own way of labeling it and all that stuff. But um, for the most part, grade one for most places starts in grade one, not not kindergarten. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so for me, grade one, I would have been about five, right? Because I'm born in the end of December when that uh, when I started. Um, the I actually, you know, for me, the the idea of junior high was very attractive. I was kind of I was always a bit sad that I didn't go to junior high because I have friends okay. of mine who did. Yeah. And junior high school is like it's kind of like high school. It's from grade six to grade nine sometimes, uh, or grade ten even. So, anyway. Um, the next thing I'd like to talk about is, so we talked about the school systems, right? We talked about uh, the MTV generation. We talked about the books and the literature. Mm-hmm. We talked about fundamental differences now in um, the way that Generation X uh, and the millennials were raised. As I mentioned, the millennials were raised with this idea that um, <laughs> everybody gets a, gets a medal for running the race kind, mm-hmm. of, a, kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, group participation and attendance is 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 uh, is worth something, right? Mm-hmm. Where it fucking isn't. <laughs> like really, it's not, you know? In any real task, in any real society, group and participation, uh, you know, group attendance and, and participation is, means fuck all, like mm-hmm. nothing. Right, mm-hmm. I'd much rather be with somebody who is genuinely interested to be with me to do something than someone who feels like he has to be there because he's going to get a cookie in the end. Right? Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. No, it doesn't. And so I think this is where a lot of that, um, what we see today as over entitlement, mm-hmm. comes from. Mm-hmm. So now, if we fast forward and we take these people who are now out of high school, so I'm 38 years old, and that means that everybody. I guess 37 and younger will be born in 1985 and onwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to shit on all of you guys who are younger than 37, but I'm just saying that um, if you were a good student and you went through this type of a programming, take a look at it, right? And I say Mm -hmm. take a look at it because it was shocking to me. And, and, And I think that if you guys are born after 1985 and this was your experience in high school that group participation and attendance was of utter importance in order for you to get your final grade. Another thing is they also added community service onto the bill, meaning that you couldn't graduate high school until you had the credits required. Mm-hmm. So there were mm-hmm. a bunch of prerequisite uh, credits, then you had electives and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but uh, group participation and all that, the, the final exams were worth like fuck all. You could pretty much skip them so long mm. as you showed up every day and uh, participated in the in the discussions. You pass. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the the community service was was I think I can't remember how many hours I think it was like a hundred hours or 150 hours of community service meaning that you had to like go and volunteer at bullshit places to get uh, to get you what you need to you know for me I ended up working for free at a at a, at a music store and the guy was uh, was an asshole and um, I, I remember I ended up getting bronchitis in grade eleven mm-hmm. um, and uh, in that. Because he never he never knew the guy at the music store that students could work for him for free and it could be used as community service because it was a new thing. Mm-hmm. And I told him I said, "Hey, I'm being pulled back into this old system, and they want me to do some community service hours. Can I do it at your place?" And he's like, "Yo, I didn't know that was possible. That's great." And then I got bronchitis, and uh, it was uh, it was actually right after the first SARS pandemic. I remember because mm. uh, where I was, where I grew up, um, SARS actually created the first lockdown in the Western world. We ended up locking down a, a big par- portion of uh, Southwest Ontario um, due to SARS. Mm. Uh, and all the schools were closed, the airports, all that stuff for a couple of weeks and uh, so on and so forth. So anyway, uh, it was around that time. Tuberculosis was another thing. Lots of pandemics came in through there for some reason or epidemics, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I ended up, I was, I was uh, at home just recovering for a week or so. And uh, where I come from, it's also very... Well, where I was raised, let's put it that way, it's also very normal that if you have a cough or the sniffles, you don't go to school because mm-hmm. everybody else will get sick and they just would prefer it that it's the first sign of any type yeah, of yeah. symptom, stay the fuck home, right? Just just don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. School's not important anyway. And um, as soon as I stood, I was at home for a couple of days, he went out and found another student. And then I came back to show up for work and he's like, oh, no, no, I found someone else. I'm like, what do you mean mm-hmm. you found someone else? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you were gone for a week. I, don't, I'm not, I have no interest keeping someone around who's not going to show up. I'm like, you're not fucking paying me. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I, 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 that, that was a thing. But um, what I would, like I was talking about was this idea of entitlement. I see this in a lot in the new generation now. Uh, people who, um, specifically I would say people born after the uh, 1990 is more intense where uh, they get out of college university and they burn out within the first two years in the workforce mm-hmm. because they can't take it. It's, yep. it's, it's too much. The real world is too shocking for people raised in, in such an institutionalized environment. Mm. And um, I've seen that over and over and over again in my industry, you know, people thinking that they can cut it and, 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 you know, not understanding that with their bullshit little bachelor's degree, they it's not worth anything. Mm. They're not going to get any more money. They're not going to get an extra cookie because they have that piece of paper. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. it and it's and it's hard because uh, you know I, I've seen a couple of bachelor students that come to work uh, for the company I was at before, and they're they're demanding like five grand after you know they're 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 demanding a lot of money mm. right over here in Germany five thousand euros after taxes is fucking good right and yep. um. Like cost of living over here is very good. That's another reason why. And uh, I just remember seeing them say, well, but my professor says that I'm going to start at uh, no less than 70,000 a year. And, you know, the boss of the company <laughs> is like, you fucking think that you're worth more than that? Like, you you think you're worth that to mm-hmm. me? He's like, what can I do with you? You know, you have to be with someone the whole time, job shadowing and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm now 40. I have a lot of experience. I have a PhD and I'm not like making 5,500 after taxes. <laughs> Well, again, this is or this like is before Texas, in right? the area yeah. that we are, and it might come mm-hmm. to, to a lot of you, uh, um, your Americans, as a surprise. But you know, you can still buy a house here for a couple hundred thousand. Um, 
can't do that in most of the U.S. Right? It's mm -hmm. the price. the The price difference over here and cost of living is so different that uh, I would say that if you're making um, three to four grand after taxes here in Germany, you'll have a better quality of life mm -hmm. and more money in the bank than you will in the U.S. Um, hands down, mm -hmm. um, if uh, making the same amount of money in the U.S. Okay. Right. I would say uh, in the U.S. if you're making five grand after taxes your quality of life still won't be as good as some uh, as, as far as mm. money in the bank and and uh, being able to pay for everything so cost of life living and all that stuff i would say that um you i don't know like a, depending on what state you are obviously if it's california add another zero to everything as they say <laughs> okay all right it's it's crazy over there but um nevertheless yeah the the the, the expectancies of a lot of the people who um, graduate and they come uh, out of, into the workforce for the mm -hmm. first time burnt out can't handle reality psychiatry drugs pills you know I, th yeah, th that's yeah. that's a new thing over here right so True. um what about you i mean you 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 had to teach a bunch of students who were mm -hmm. born after 1985 how do you feel about them i mean i cuz you're born in 1983 culturally do you get along with them like do you feel that mm. that it's the same as being with somebody who is 2 years or 3 or 4 years older than you I actually, uh, most of my friends are older than I am. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, same here. I've just always yeah. <laughs> got along with them better. Right? Um, yeah. So I don't have lots of friends which are younger. I think only one or two. And I can definitely see a lot of differences, right? So yeah. they're way more attached to their phones and the, the social that's, media. That's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Impressions and all that. Mm, so they really want to, yeah, they really are more on, on, on this whole internet Right. Web presence stuff. When I taught at university, in, in during my PhD, we had to, you know, like teach for a couple um, courses uh, per semester in order to fulfill our teaching. Yeah. Um, how you say that? Yeah, we had to teach mm -hmm. during the PhD. Yeah, certain things you had, they were required for you to, yeah. to to show them. Yeah. 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 So I had lectures. I gave lectures. I gave. Um, field work classes and mm -hmm. these kind of things and they were all like maybe you know five to ten years younger than I was at mm -hmm. that time and I I remembered that most of the students they really didn't give a shit they were not interested they were <laughs> right yeah just you know what do I have to do in but order do, to get a good say, mark in contrast to you when you were in their place do you yeah. think that the people in your class gave more of a shit I would say so, yeah. They were more interested, more engaged in, in the work, yeah. specifically in field work. We were really, you know, like, wow, this is so exciting. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple. And then with the new generation, you had to always look for them, like, where the fuck are they? And they're like yeah, behind a tree yeah, with their cell phone. Really, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> they really try to, yeah. you know, push push it a little. And so I gave them, I had a couple of students for, my, for their final exams, which were longer with me. And mm -hmm. so I really picked very... Very nice people who were like excited right. about my work with the rabbits and all that, and that was yeah, really yeah. cool. But then I also had a lot, a lot of students that just needed to to participate in the classes and you know just needed the the certificate that they were there at the end. Mm -hmm. And that was hard because I I I, I saw they were not interested. You know, it's like what do I have to do here in order to pass? And then I incorporated them into my data collection because I had so many different projects that yeah. I was happy to have a lot of people so we could do some measurements at the same time and all that. But at the end, these data I could throw out of the window because they were really inconsistent and right. I was not sure if they measured something at all. I just made the numbers up because, yeah. you know, these kind of things. So I, I don't have a lot of good to say about that. It's funny because <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing that yeah. now in my 
work environment. And you're seeing the same thing too. I'm seeing mm. a lot of people who are much older, way like we're talking people who are 10, 15, 20 years older than myself. Mm. I'm sure you've had the same experience um, where all of a sudden they're picking up these habits. Mm. Habits that I know weren't there traditionally before. Mm. You know, when I came, uh, when I moved to Berlin in 2010, it, the, 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 the flavor of what it was like to be at work and to go somewhere um, was so different. The energy, everything mm -hmm. was very different, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I, I, I noticed, like, you you know, organization, um, um, documentation, um, planning. These mm -hmm. things are, are being thrown out of the window on a large scale in every company that I keep coming across, mm -hmm. right? And... It's like everybody throws their hand up. They're like, oh, I don't know. It's just a big machine. I'm a little part of it. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm seeing so much chaotic organization mm -hmm. in government, in schooling. And I mean, like for, for a lot of the jobs that I do today, you know, I, I do jobs for uh, the federal police, for the um, 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 hydroelectric, not hydroelectric, the, electric, the electrical companies over here. Yeah, yeah. I've done jobs for schooling. I've done jobs for government. I've done jobs, many private. I've been into thousands of people's homes. So I've had just, I think I'm one of these people who have had a an interesting um, journey in life because I've seen the inside of people's lives yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. on a very fundamental level. I think that to, to ask someone how many houses have you really been into, you know, in mm. your life and, pe and seen how people live. Mm. And I've seen people inside their home uh, from like poverty to billionaire. And I've worked with all of them, mm. right, in mm. doing what I do. And it's, it's always been very fascinating to me to see the way that things have changed. You know, Germany was always known as this uh, advanced technological society. And I'll say that Germany today is barely first world anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's first world in some ways. But when we're talking about the work environment, mm -hmm. right? Like I see projects here go 100% over budget. Mm -hmm. 100%. Like how does this happen? You know, I, I, I've, I, there's a, a lady who works for us. Uh, uh, she's Mexican. And she said, she, like, it's unheard of in Mexico for you to go 8% over budget when <laughs> building uh, a building, right? Yeah. 100%. And this is just because of the planning shit, yeah, yeah. right? This is because they're getting a bunch of Eastern European people over and they're trying to make, it's like the Tower of Babel when you're at the, on a job site over here. Nobody speaks the same language. Nobody gives a shit, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're just there for their little menial task and they fuck off. Mm -hmm. And there's no project manager, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like now you start to see this and you see the same thing in government and in NGOs and all that where people have their little task and they don't care if their task is actually a part of a project that, is doomed to, to 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 fail because it it from its concept onwards it was only generated whether it be for greenwashing purposes, <laughs> uh, you know for yeah. for for whatever it was never meant to fly it was never meant to work and people know this I think a lot of people uh, specifically in Europe I see a lot of people who work at jobs where they know their job is useless yeah completely useless right yeah but the only reason they have it is because the government has done a big uh, push into making it that. Everybody needs a job. Mm. Everybody has to be working. And if you're not working, then you're working on getting a job. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? True, yeah. It's yeah, not like yeah. you when you were younger where you had three generations in a household and only mm -hmm. a couple people worked. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's a completely different um, quality of life, yeah. I would I would say. Yeah. So where are we going from here? Right? So let's before we wrap up this section, let's talk about the Bologna pro uh, process. This is... Um, a series of, uh, let me just read it out loud. I have it on screen for you guys to see. The Belong the Process is a ministerial meeting and agreements between European countries 
to ensure comparability in the standards and quality of higher education qualifications. Mm -hmm. And this is what you were talking mm -hmm. about, and, you know, like I was mentioning before, when these things began to roll out. Look, um, well, it's, it says here, like, the big meetings and stuff like that, they were held in Prague 2001, Berlin 2003, Bergen 2005, London. So, so much had changed. And they started rolling out um, these, these massive um, educational changes yeah. all throughout the Western European yeah, and yeah. Uh, Eurasian world on a, on a massive level in order to make it more, as you mentioned, um, uh, compatible. Right, so yeah, that you could yeah. just take someone out of this country and plop him into that country, and he can continue uh, yeah, on, yeah. on the same pattern, on the same path that he was at before, and his yeah. education would be recognized. Yeah. But as you mentioned, unfortunately, Germany had to downgrade and and quite severely in order to become. Um, um, yeah, and really fast too. I remember that within you know a year or yeah, two, they yeah. really took the whole education system and put it into that um, bachelor master system and and struggle like yeah and you mentioned yeah. it was like really the 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 people who were graduating a year or two after you right so it, yeah, it would fit into that no time one, scale that i would i would no hypothesize one, as no 1985 one, yeah, no one knew how the things worked they had no idea about the credits <laughs> they kept yeah. asking me because i was a um i was a as a student, I put, um, was uh, I was already a teaching student for right. the, the lower classes and a zoology class, and they asked me, you know, what? Well, how is that with the credits? I was like, I have no idea how that works. So I remember it was a huge, huge chaos. The professors were so fed up with that stuff because mm -hmm. they had to change their lectures. And at the end, a lot of the practical trainings, um, they had to downgrade. So right. there were fewer hours in the laboratory, the, the stuff that is really important, you know, specifically for a biologist, that all the practical um, stuff had been reduced and the field field excursions and yep. all that. So, but on the other hand, I mean, if you want to, you know, spend some time in, in, in Europe in a, in a different university, they also say, you know, now it's easier because everything is the same and you can yep. just switch. You can also do your master somewhere else because everyone knows that you have the same. But I remember, I mean, I also spent a semester somewhere else. I, I went to Tasmania and yeah, it was a lot of work preparing it and organizing, but it worked, you know, it's that mm -hmm. was not, I don't know if, I, I think that was maybe just one argument, but at the end, if you really want to go somewhere, there was always, there's always a way. Yeah. To study somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is something I found, uh, I found it to be really, like, as you've mentioned, you know, the diploma system, it's, it, is it equal to a master? Because they're telling you it no, is. No, it's, it's not. But it's not. It's, it's more than a master's. Right? Yeah. And this is something that I'm seeing more and more is and that. Already, you, like, just to say the, the master's thesis is six months, or at least in Frankfurt it was, I think it's still. Okay. And the diploma uh, thesis was nine months. Right. So that's already a big difference. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So again, for all of you guys listening out there, um, it's it's an interesting topic. I think yeah. the idea that Generation X ended with nineteen, the end of nineteen eighty four, um, and we're going into the next part of it, which is you know in, in uh, spirit of the book nineteen eighty four, George Orwell's book. Mm. Let's talk about Big Brother. Mm. Right. Let's talk about um, data monitoring. Mm. Let's talk about uh, the end of paper pornography. Mm -hmm. All right. This is something I think happened, uh, and and, and mid eighties onwards, the people born in mid eighties onwards, mm -hmm. they're the ones that really saw this. And, and like I said, because I'm on this this cusp, I noticed the change. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm really uh, I'm fortunate in one on one level because I was able to see mm -hmm. that uh, 
what was once a rule is no longer mm. right yeah, yeah. and and it, and and it to me it was kind of like uh when you start traveling you start to find yourself uh in funny predicaments like there are a lot of laws out there that if you spend too much time in one place of the world you believe that that's just the way it is and you believe there True. are ethical reasons yeah, and yeah, moral yeah. reasons for yeah. why these laws are like that and then you go somewhere else and they don't exist and then you think to yourself, why did I allow myself to be governed my whole life mm -hmm. based off of these idiotic, you know, these these idiotic uh, rules, you know, that 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 clearly weren't real. You know, it could be mundane rules such as you can't turn right on a red, right? <laughs> some places you can, some places you can't. It could be other things mm -hmm. like uh, the legalization of uh, alcohol and marijuana, right, mm -hmm. uh, and, and and opiates or whatnot, depending on where you are on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, here in Germany, I love the fact that. That uh, alcohol is is just like a open, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you take your bottle of beer, your wine with you to the park, and you know you're you're having a barbecue with with yeah. children, and beer you're drinking a beer. Beer gardens, exactly. You know, this is something I really loved about the German culture is the fact that it's not taboo, and I I, I see in contrast. Americans, when they go out to public places, what do they do? They bring sugar water with them. It's mm. not, and, and I would I would argue that that mm. that this is just a bad compulsive habit that Americans have developed is this addiction to sugar water. And I noticed that over here, it, yeah, there are a lot of people here who also like Coca Cola and Red Bull <laughs> and that kind of stuff too. But again, um, I think there's something much much nicer to say about uh, being able to just go and have a picnic or just, you know, uh, mm. after work to take a beer, crack it open and and, and take this the, the city bus home with it in your hand, you know, mm. like, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, mm. right? Some bus yeah. drivers might complain that, uh, you know, they don't want it because people spill them a lot, <laughs> but it has nothing to do yeah. with it. They'll say that about any fluid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the end yeah. of, uh, yeah, so like now what we're talking about um, Big Brother, we're talking about this this monitoring police state because mm. this is where I think the 80s really started to ramp up. And then you start to see come the mid 90s, the personal computer, then the, the first cell phones and mm. then in the turn of the millennium, uh, you know, this idea that uh, technology was going up and up and up specifically in the world of audio and video and bus communications and um, then the smartphone. Right then, the the tablets, then the, the 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 idea that cloud saving information, the fact that everything is monitored, the fact that every person has a transceiver in their pocket. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This is kind of like that idea of uh, you don't need to microchip the population when they're just walking around with them all the time and they're registered to them. Mm, right. Mm. That's a, that's a scary idea. It's a scary yep. scary thought. And. Yep, yep. Had you told people in the 90s that that was going to be the case, I don't think people... Mm. I, I remember in 2012 and 11, people saying in the next couple of years, every child, every person over the age of 16 is going to have a cell phone. In 2011, I remember the first time I heard that, I said, that's what they're going to push for. Mm. I, I, I feel it. Then come 2015, uh, when the first wave of uh, migrants came to, uh, from Syria to... Uh, um, Berlin mm -hmm. and Germany, what happened? They did. They deemed cell phones uh, a uh, what do you call what do you call it like a like a resource that's required, like required. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the exact word right now. But so what happened was is that they were giving all these people a place to live and giving them a phone mm -hmm. and registering them. Right, and, and so it was really interesting. Like it was like a human uh, resource, right? Mm -hmm. Like water. Like everybody deserved warmth clean water, fresh food, mm -hmm. and a cell phone. 
And it just, I, I just couldn't believe that. Like, you know, it's like, really? Like, you as a biologist, how do you feel about that? The, the, what, what, what's required to live? And all of a sudden, cell phone is thrown on there? All right? It, it's, it's the pretty right radical. for communication? I don't know. <laughs> well, the right for communication. Yeah. I don't know what that really means, the right. But, uh, you know, access to internet, it, to me, it's more about the access to being tracked. Mm. But that's where it really started ramping up, right? When we're talking about this switch to the digital world. Yeah. Um, I've seen it in my industry. Like, I've seen... I've seen some of the scariest, like behind the curtains technologies, you know, technologies like where um, people sensing and monitoring and so on and so forth, where mm -hmm. not only like little devices that are plugged into the ceiling, maybe you guys can take a look for them next time you're at airports. They often are like a little box with a couple mm -hmm. eyelets on them. And um, what they do is they have uh, various sensors inside of them, whether they be infrared or just cameras, uh, high definition and all that. And what they do is um, they're a head counter originally. You're, mm -hmm. Like the first generations of these products, for example, they were head counters to try and see who was coming in the building and uh, if the building was really empty when they went out. So they can then say for statistical purposes later on, you had this many people walk through yeah, the door yeah. today and this many people walk out. Then the technology became so good. Like they started using it to, in banks and stuff to say, hey, uh, maybe you should open up another uh, queue because, or another teller because the queue is growing too large. And that's what these things were also mm -hmm. used for, right? Mm -hmm. And then it became um, that these things now, uh, back, we're talking about technology that's already a couple of years old now uh, that's, that's on the open market, easy to get. Uh, technology where it will not only tell you how many people are in the queue, it'll tell you, the uh, the estimated age and gender of each person, right? Um, and then what it'll do is um, it will map the people, uh, specifically how they walk, how they move, to be able to find them mm. later on. So if for whatever reason uh, you have an array of these systems built everywhere that one person does something that's uh, you know a person of interest, you click on him and the cameras will follow him and find him. Even if he changes his clothes and his hats and puts on a mask, the cameras will still identify him mm. because of certain um, unique body characteristic traits, right? Um, and it gets to the point where what these systems are often used for now in, in the world of security is you go into a public area with something in your hand and the the system will then say, Okay, there's a person between the age of so-and-so, uh, most likely male, and uh, he has a thing in his hand, and uh, he met up with another person, most likely so-and-so age, has another uh, has nothing in his hand, and this thing from person one was transferred to person B. Mm. Or this thing from person one was left alone for 30 minutes on a table, and then person B picked it up, right? Like these kind of things, this software finds. And mm -hmm. as soon as the software finds it, it triggers a warning on these two people and follows them. Mm -hmm. And all the cameras work in unison and all the infrared markers work in unison to highlight them and to show who have they interacted with the entire time in okay. the group. Yeah. Records it all and you can play it back and then you can see exactly, you know, like what happened. What happened. So this is that idea of uh, on, a, on a security police state level, mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking about uh, um, not just cameras in the streets, we're talking about it now on a deeper level where all the data the, the cell phones, the, 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 the um, every little thing you do is being marked and recorded for the interest of what? To maybe, uh, to maybe, to maybe figure out how to program the next generation.
I think that's how I'd kind of leave it for today. Could be, yeah. Is that yeah. the more we participate in this stuff, the more data we give up. And the more data we give up, the more likely it is that it will be used against us in the future. This is a big reason why I'm not interested in higher education anymore. I mean, I'll do it mm. myself, but mm. I won't I won't go to a university or yeah. a scholastic environment yeah. for it. I'd much rather buy the books and just go through it. You know, that's yeah, how I yeah. learn languages and that's how I learn things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Right? Right. So you look like you're ready to turn off for the day. <laughs> yeah, I have to say Sunday evening is uh, hard for me because I don't know why. It's just like already well, the time of... It's it's still nice and sunny out here in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, I think the sunset is like... I mean, it's the, the sky is light till like 11 p.m. right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on the, the solstice in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of energy in the air and it's actually really hard to do the video cast at 6 p.m. on Sundays because it's like, man... <laughs> We should be outside doing something, but uh, yeah, I love it. I love actually um, as a hobby. It's been really nice to be able to just have an idea mm -hmm. throughout the week, work on it, and present it. You know, it's just I think it's actually a really healthy mental exercise. Just something like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think with me, it's just you know a lot of uh, changes that also happened in my private life and my mm -hmm. um, professional life that. I think over the weekend I try to settle down and then I can feel how tired I actually am from from the from the weekend um, right. all these things that happened. Right. Yeah. Well, let's shut her down for today. I can yeah. definitely see that there aren't a lot of active people in the mm -hmm. chat rooms today. Um and you know, that being said, look at the time of the day we're we're live streaming at. There are a lot of people who are seeing or watching this stuff afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh oh, we actually have uh in Telegram, a comment. I'll go through it in a second. But uh, yeah, we're not getting a lot of action on the live stream right now because it's like noon uh, in North mm. America. And I'm sure they got better things to do on a Sunday that's beautiful than to sit inside and, and, and chat on a live stream. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. anyhow, um, to wrap things up, I'm going to go through a couple little comments then quickly. But to wrap things up, that was the general flavor of today was, mm -hmm. was really programming, mm -hmm. right? Um Unfortunately, yeah, we are all subjected to different types of programming, whether they be uh, scholastic, governmental, or other. And to understand that our ecosystem and our environment is not uh, a naturally occurring thing as we believe it is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. naturally occurring in the sense that, yeah, it exists in nature, but reality is, is that the, you have big thick tanks um, trying to organize how the school systems are going to be operated. And mm -hmm. uh, as we showed with the Bologna process, this is a, a think tank and a, well, I wouldn't say think tank. This is a committee of people who got together and altered the face of education mm. all across mm. Europe and Eurasia forever, mm -hmm. right? Well, not forever, but I mean, you know, permanently in, yeah, yeah. in the sense that it's, it's, it's uh, politics gone wild, you know, put it that way. So, and, and that was a big thing about the MTV generation too, you know, was that uh, reality TV. And I don't know if I talked about this too much before, but. Um, for me, the MTV generation experience was music videos. Mm -hmm. And yep. then um, all of a sudden it became reality TV shows, keeping up with the Kardashians and shit like that, right? Uh, I don't know. I was all of I that. I didn't watch it. E I've never seen an <laughs> episode. Never seen it either. But I just remember turning on MTV, expecting a music video. I'm like, the fuck is this? <laughs> and, and that's when I stopped watching MTV, which was nice because it coincided with uh, the birth of the internet. Right, in the sense that I could just watch all the music videos I want on on online. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. So I looked at a couple of statistics before starting the show today, um, and statistically, YouTube is still the biggest social media platform, mm -hmm. if you call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do call it that, the highest rated age group of people who are using it are about forty years old. Mm. I find that to be fascinating because, as I mentioned before, pre nineteen eighty five. 
um, we were the MTV generation. Mm -hmm. We were in, we, we always had the TV on in the corner. And for mm -hmm. me, when I work, I know, I mean, it, might, it won't be YouTube, but it, it'll be something, you know, I'll have Rockfin on in the background. I'll mm -hmm. have uh, uh, some type of video cast podcast or yeah, a, a music list on repeat or whatever, right? Or movie. But I think that's also very personal. Like me, Huge. I for myself, like I'm, you know, more the silent uh, person. Yeah. I well, you grew up in Europe. I mean, there, there's a big difference. Not so much around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I, I do. I, I know a lot of people uh, from all generations that uh, mm -hmm. you know. Some just don't like, you know, they they like energy around them, and that's the way it is with me. Is when I'm working specifically, if I'm doing menial work or or repetitive work mm -hmm. on a computer, I like to have a movie or music or something yeah, on yeah. in the room to create an atmosphere, right? To you know, uh, something that I enjoy. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, I like to be able to take breaks and 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 uh, and do yeah. something that actually makes my heart uh, pump a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be exercising or just go outside and play the drums for mm -hmm. ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, like I say, you know, um, comparing that to the post-1985 generation, I'm sure there's a lot of that in there too. But um, the interesting thing about YouTube is that why is it that the age group of people um, between um, um, 40 and 45, right, or 38 and 45 is what I was reading, mm -hmm. which ties into people born before 1985, why is it that we are more likely to watch content on YouTube than we are to watch content on TikTok? or Twitter, or Facebook. Yeah. That's what I found to be interesting yeah, yeah. from the statistics that I showed, uh, that, I, that I read today, that was shown to me, was that um, statistically, the younger generations are more into Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and that kind mm. of stuff. And it's the older generations who are more, at least, you know, there are a lot of younger generations on, on YouTube as well. But as far as demographically speaking, it's men between 38 and 45 who, are, uh, who account for one of the biggest spikes mm -hmm. in... Um, um, watch time per day. And mm -hmm. I think it's because we come from this era where we always had MTV on in the background. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we throw on a YouTube playlist. Yeah, we throw be. on a, a movie. We, you know, that that's my assumption. It, it kind of fits mm -hmm. into my model that shows me that you can see. And I, I, I find it funny because everywhere you go, you see statistics that are 35 to 45, right? And I, or, or something like that, right? And I always thought to myself, if they change that statistic uh, to make the age groups pre-1985 and post-1984, mm -hmm. uh, um, I'm, I'm sure you'll see very interesting differences that it's not a group that you could group together. I yeah. think that we are fundamentally different in the way that we, um, like you say, through social media and so on and so forth. Um, I would definitely say if I'm at a uh, like a house party with people, house parties, you know, it's something we used to do. Mm -hmm. I, if I was at a house party with people um, who were bored, after 1985, like you mentioned, they all have their cell phones. They don't give a shit about yeah, yeah. participating or, or or really getting involved. You know, they'll participate, but they won't really get involved. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the same thing with uh, after people born before 1984. I find that it's more likely when I'm at a house party that, that a couple will have their phones out. But for the most part, a lot of them will just either be laying in the, in the corner somewhere or in their pocket or yeah, in the car, yeah. right? Yeah. Or at home. <laughs> Very rarely today anyway. So here, let's uh, go to a little, okay. co a couple comments, and then uh, we're going to stop for today. I want to also say to you guys out there that we are live on Rockfin Telegram, Twitch, DLive, and in audio form only on Podbean. So for you guys listening on Podbean, you could also ask questions. Um, 
on Twitch and DLive. We are known as smart home slow people because they don't like stupid people over there. Mm. Um, we are trying out another platform today, kick.com. So there is smart home stupid people. They, they're okay with stupid people over there. I, I like <laughs> that. Um, on Twitch, so uh, on kick. So go and check it out. It's a new platform, very similar to Twitch and DLive. Um, Rockfin is still our home. So all of our archives are on Rockfin. We have a we have a thing on YouTube as well uh, on YouTube on Rumble as well. We don't use it that much. I found Rumble is a bit too uh, too much work. I think for what it's worth, to mm. tell you the truth, it's just not very user friendly. Mm. Um, YouTube, we only have uh, snips, but if you want to go and check us out over there, some of those snips are are pretty epic. Snippy yeah, snips. little clips and snips over there. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go to. A little comment. So this is coming in from Telegram. And as I mentioned, Telegram, you could find us at Smart Home Stupid People. Join the channel and there you will be notified of the episodes and uh, be given the links to them before they come out, as well as be able to chat with us bi-directionally during the live show as such. So it says here... Uh, from Felminator, I'm definitely a millennial through and through. <laughs> Your description is, is is spot on. I feel like it's not even by choice, or I have a mental block to know how to be uh, my own boss. Uh, to know how to be my own boss, I wonder. Uh, I'm trying to read the writing is small. I, I wonder if that's the way the system is set up, and or I wasn't taught enough on the house to do my own thing and to be my own boss since it is not uh the culture i grew up in also she's saying that it's 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 not she wasn't really taught properly mm. to be her own boss and so on and so forth i can i can definitely see that you know like post 1985 um entrepreneurial uh energy is it, it went mm. down you know like a lot of people i grew up with specifically born uh, before 1985 uh they were just odd jobbers Right, mm -hmm. odd jobbers are people who just go and take anything, and they just they don't want to work for someone, so they'll do anything. They'll paint your sidewalk. You know, the, you want you want you want your house number painted on your curb. Sure, you want your door painted, right? You want anything, and and, and sometimes mm -hmm. they find a really cool niche and they discover great things. And this is where a lot of that cool synchronicity comes from too. I I grew up like that, right? Like I've done, you wouldn't believe the amount of <laughs> different jobs I've tried out in my life. I've been doing home automation now. Um, building automation for over 17 years. Mm. But even parallel to that, I, I had a window washing company, right? Uh, I, I was working at nightclubs. I, I did a whole bunch of stuff, right? Just to, just to keep things dynamic. I didn't always like having all my eggs in one basket, so to say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so she also says here, I don't remember Catcher and the Right either. I remember um, more Lord of the Flies. Okay, so she had Lord of the Flies actually in, uh, in school as well. So there we go. Um, that being said, I think we're going to close things down for mm -hmm. today. Unless there are some questions out there, we will gladly bring them into the show. But I think, uh, as I mentioned, I think too many people are enjoying the sunshine <laughs> and enjoying the nice weather in the Northern Hemisphere. Yep. So that being said, let's wrap things up for today. Any last words, Maddie? No, it's just, yeah, it was a nice, also kind of like a, you know, voyage through the history. Also, I thought about my teenager time and, ch and childhood and using the computer and remembering that we had a modem right. that made the noises in order to go online right. and it was like a huge thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i also remembered how cool it was now i could you know i chat with my friends from school and chat rooms that chat was a rooms big icq yeah. all these things and yeah. msn yeah Messenger? And the first yeah. the first mobile phones came there were like huge things you know uh, like, bricks <laughs> bricks i remember when but they first exciting. came out like, people I, were saying don't put that thing close to your head it'll give you cancer yeah i remember right? that all too. that stuff and every, yeah now it's forgotten right so <laughs> 
so right? yeah, but I think you know it's it's worth to just look at the time you've been you've been raised and mm-hmm. what was around you, what kind of things happened in the society and the the values you you were taught by your parents and all that. And just to keep it in mind that these things, you know, although they've been taught to you, they don't they they are not you. Like they yep. they are maybe a part of you, but if you look closely and you think, well, is that really something I want to have in my life? Is that really, you know, an attitude I want to keep? Is that really yep. me? So I think that's always worth to ask yourself, who are you? Behind all, uh, apart yeah, from all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, your original, like your actual authentic you. You know, yeah. what are you behind all this programming? I think that's one of the bigger things I struggled with um, when I when I started going through a lot of this. Right, you know, for me, uh, I found marketing school to be very well, marketing class in school to be very interesting because it opened up all these ideas of um, changing people's decisions sub- yeah. uh, subconsciously. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, Working and it, with fear and all that. Right? All this, so, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, appealing to the emotions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, when you go out and, and, and when you see that stuff mm-hmm. and you look at a billboard, it's a different message. Yeah. The message isn't that uh, if you want to be free, buy this product. The message is this company is that low that they'll say that to get you to buy their sugar water. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this this is this is the the to me yeah. the way that I look at the world. Right. Uh, to me, a, a, a good. Um, advertisement is an advertisement that is genuinely just behind a good product yeah. and 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 shows it that's it and i yeah. think that a lot of advertisement a lot of products are just shit nowadays which is why advertisement is so um important because sure. the hawking of crap products has become more and more <laughs> necessary to survive cars mm-hmm. don't last more than 10 years anymore so mm-hmm. they know they need good advertisement for it right mm-hmm. they know they need to make legal laws in order to make it that the old older generation cars that would last forever don't get built mm-hmm. right yeah 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 craziness yeah. so yeah, I would say uh, just to, to to add on to what you said, um, talking on the phone. Mm. I spent a lot of time talking on the phone when I was younger, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think that would be also a very different – that's something I also noticed is that people born after 1985 were more likely to just want to text message all the time, uh, specifically once they became um, 15, 16. Yep. Then they would have been about year 2000, 2001. Yeah. And I always remembered that around that time, people always texting. I was just like, fuck off with the text, man. Just give me a call. Yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I always found that to be uncomfortable. And still to this day, I find it to be uncomfortable. Like, yeah, they're texting for little things. Like um, I, have a, I have a band, right? Uh, as a musician, mm-hmm. we have a group mm-hmm. and we could organize uh, when we're going to show up because, mm-hmm. you know, Three-way calling, though, was a big thing in the 90s. I used to do it all the time, right? <laughs> Where you'd be talking to someone and be like, oh, I think my friend so-and-so just got off uh, whatever. It should be home now. Let's bring him into the conversation. And we would sit around for hours, uh, all in different parts of the city, mm-hmm. with three people or more on the phone and having a group mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Right? Cool. And then what we would do is later on, we'd meet up at the park and we'd have we'd just sit down and do nothing and have a group conversation. And that yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a big part of my uh, adolescence, right? Yeah. And I don't know what that's like anymore. I've seen, you know... There's no time for this anymore. <laughs> well, I've seen people that you invite them over and um, they think they're being social by just... Um, like, I don't, I, don't know how, I don't want to get into this too much, but I've seen a lot of... like. I've been in rooms with people and it's like these people are hanging out but they all have their phone out and they're all yeah, watching yeah, yeah, different yeah. content. That's weird. And we then just like, had that with a friend who was over here in my place and she was watching her stuff. 
It, it, it is strange, you know. And, <laughs> it was a little weird. And she's, she was definitely, yeah, true. She's much yeah, younger. She's and, much younger. And, and it's more normal, I think, for the younger generation mm-hmm. where they can be left alone in a room where everybody is watching their own content on their phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll put it down to show everybody, like, you know, yeah. little highlights of their garbage. Mm-hmm. And that's it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's... Um, Something that I, I just like I, for me as well, a big thing that uh, shows me that the generation X or the generation difference between people in born in 84 and post 84 is the telephone. I grew up where the telephone was a central important yeah. role. And I'm yeah, not talking, I'm talking about this type of telephone, like the one we have behind us, right? The, it's the a real bring, phone. Bring. <laughs> yeah, the ones that actually ring that have a cable and a cord that you have to drag <laughs> around with you. We still, it looks, this thing looks like a prop. Uh, this is our main phone at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it rings and there's a little red light on there like the Adam West bat phone, right? <laughs> so, so it's it's just one of these things that, uh, it sounds like nostalgia, but I, I'll tell you, it, even today, like, you know, I got good friends of mine, dudes as well, that we'll talk, we'll, we'll call each other and just talk shit for like mm-hmm. 30 minutes just to like unload a little bit uh, at the end of every day or mm-hmm. every other day or whatnot. You know, and this part's important. It's healthy. Yeah. How do, how do people who just communicate in bullshit little smiley face emojis actually let off steam in a healthy way to a friend? Well, probably don't. <laughs> and this actually, to me, I would say contributes to the reason why a lot of them get so burnt out and frustrated yeah, so easily. The, they be. don't have a healthy outlet um, to have people listen to them. Yeah. And the question is, what I've seen as well with specifically now we're going on to people who are like younger than 25. Mm-hmm. They don't listen very well. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, listen in the sense like you mentioned when you were teaching in university that um, they're not, they don't want to be there. Why are they there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why show up? To, why go yeah, anywhere just, if you don't want to like be there? Tired, you know. Yeah. They we're just tired from life already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why go somewhere you don't want to be? What's the point? Mm. You know, just ruin it for everyone. Just yeah. Stay home. You know. All, All right. right, guys. So this has been a wonderful. Uh, let's bring the title down. <laughs> Season two, episode sixteen. Born mm. before nineteen eighty four. I hope you guys. Uh, did I? Oh, actually, it's born after born 1984. After. I was going to say, yeah, I fucked up the title on this. So born after 1984. I could go both ways, you know. I mean, but the show is really about the people born after 1984 mm-hmm. and the fact that Generation X, as I mentioned, I believe last year was the bet, was the end of uh, 1984. So let's wrap this up. It was great. Everyone out there, have a great weekend. Have a great yeah. time. Enjoy. And till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Keep going. Well.